This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I've spent the last 30-plus years helping people to create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I so hope you're enjoying your holidays, and I'm excited for today. Today, the letter is T, and T is for Tantra. Now, the word Tantra actually means loom, weave, or system in Sanskrit. And it's used to describe the esoteric systems derived by Buddhists and Hindus around about 1 AD. In Indian texts, it can mean any broadly applicable theory, system, method, or practice. And so while many people think of Tantra as solely related to sex and intimacy, in fact, this isn't so. Uh, There are many different types of Tantras or weaving togethers of theory and or practice. This week, we're going to be talking about all the joys of Tantra to improve your sexual life and your overall pleasure. For many people, Tantra helps increase concentration, sexual satisfaction, and it produces some of the most intense sexual experiences of their lives. Joining me today to talk about Tantra is Gaia Morissette. Holistic sexual wellness specialist, Gaia believes the keys to a happy, healthy, wealthy, magical, and epic orgasmic life is sexual wellness, embracing the human experience, and releasing fear, shame, guilt, and self-loathing. Gaia supports people living with more pleasure through holistic sexual wellness, trauma recovery, and divine sexual and elemental magics. She is also a BDSM wellness expert, high priestess, and pro-dominatrix. For over the last 10 years, she's been a renowned international speaker, trainer, facilitator, and coach who makes the word a happier, safer, and sexier place for us all. She's the founder of SucculentLiving.com and EmpressGaia.com. Welcome to the show, Gaia. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, My pleasure. So we will talk about Tantra today, but uh, um, I like the more general sexual wellness theme as well. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. So I'd quite like to talk um, um, a bit about improving... um, what I kind of look at is conscious choices in relation to desire, um, which leads to better satisfaction. So for me, that fits in under the category of how we get some sexual wellness. Um, so, but let's start with Tantra. Um, so your understanding of Tantra. It's a, a way in which I move in the world. Um, it's, it's how I breathe, I live. I try to live each moment being present in this human experience. It's through my human experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that allows me to reach higher states of consciousness and awareness. And pleasure is a fantastic bonus. And sexual gratification is, is a great bonus. But it's not for me. It's not actually the reason behind how I practice and how I teach Tantra. But, right. so, so you're looking at Tantra in the broader sense um, mm-hmm. um, as a full sort of esoteric um, system rather yeah. than focusing on simply sexual Tantra. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, and and I do a lot of work around, I call it Tantra for One, and so that's about, you know, your own journey, what that looks like, your journey with being pleasure, your journey with um, being awake, your journey with being able to understand the human experience, that's how I move with, with Tantra, it's, it's like this embodiment experience. I mean, so I find that quite interesting, because I spend a lot of time um, working with clients around what it means to actually be present and be, and be fully embodied and um, excuse me. And the fact that um, when we want to explore desire and that's desire in the larger sense, not just in a sexual sense, that the way to know what we desire is to be able to observe our own reactions 
and to be able to tap into all of our senses and our intuition and our reactions in the present moment in order to figure out direction, in order to figure out connection. And that really we don't learn how to do this in life. No, no. And I, and I love the concept of it's like about choice. Yeah. And when we have this sense of awareness, then it gives us a sense of empowerment. And that empowerment gives us the freedom to make choices in our lives, whether that's a choice in a current relationship you're having, what you want to bring into your life, what you want to do in your, you know, your work life, like all the aspects of who you are in your life. It comes from that place of empowerment of choice. But we can't have choice if we are completely reactive. Absolutely. Of, yeah. Right. And so that's the exciting part is always for me is like when you break it down, coming right back to the source, which is ourselves, then it makes it this beautiful experience that we can then choose how we want to create our life. Yeah. And I mean, so I, I often talk about people when I'm talking steps to getting to to where they want to be. So satisfaction, self-actualization, whatever they want to call it. Um and in whatever area of life, it's, it's, it's obviously not simply relating to, to sex and pleasure, but I spend a lot of time working with people on that and working on relationships. It, the first thing that one has to do is you can't, you can't make good choices if you can't be objective, if you can't step back. Um, and that means you have to deal with the stuff from your past and your history and your patterns in order to be able to get some sort of an objective view. So step one is getting is, is dealing with that, whether it's trauma, whether it's shame, whether it's guilt you're carrying, whatever it is, mm-hmm. to get a handle on that so that you can that can be firmly in the past rather mm-hmm. than actually walking with you in the present. And a lot of people don't seem to realize how much they carry with them day to day that colors everything that they see and everything oh, yeah. they experience. Yeah, and it's like a filter. Like every interaction, every reaction, everything that we choose, everything from what we put in our mouths to what we speak to what we choose to wear, everything is through that filtering process of the past. And if we don't clear that stuff out, then we're really moving still stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. So that that kind of stuff and then moving to presence. Now, I know that in traditional tantric practice, and I I have – um, my oldest and dearest who wrote a book on Tantra and we- and Western magic. So Tantra for the Western mind, basically it was mm-hmm. quite, quite a fabulous book and, and, and quite a fabulous practice. Um, Cause I know sometimes people kind of don't find the language in the Eastern thought depends on how it's translated. Um, so Step one is always, no matter what discipline you're practicing, step one is always breath, right? We always start with breath work. Mm-hmm. So I know why I think that is, but I'd like for you to tell me, because you're teaching it and I'm not, why is it that we always start with breath work? Because breath takes us from our head into our body. That makes sense. And- and and basically, that's the problem is that we spend too much time in the head and not enough time in the body. And when we become drop into our bodies, it's easier for us to then drop into the being present and mind. And then we can come back into that mindful place without the emotional reaction, without the static, without the lots of noise. But we're just like just practicing breathing in and out, just being in the body in that moment. Now, see, now, I absolutely really don't like this whole concept of mindful because, um, because emotions are good things, mm-hmm. right? And mindful tends to, to kick them out again because we talk about being in the body and we talk about being present, but that also means being present with your intuition and your emotions. And that isn't coming from your mind. That's definitely coming from another place. Not that I want to get rid of the mind entirely either. I want us to use all of our parts. But that's why I always talk about being present and I don't talk about mindfulness anymore because people have this, they get into this habit that is just as um, damaging as just being in their head. They get into a counting thing or they end up with a system. And I see we're only a couple minutes from break. Um, When we come back, I would love to talk about where you like to go best with that. Once you get somebody 
really comfortably able to be present. Mm-hmm. Where do you like to go next? In order to kind of, in, in order to inform tantric practice, um, which will be different than, probably be different than where I go next, just because I'm not teaching tantra, but you never know. One of the things I have discovered over the years is how many parallels there are in different systems of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I always encourage people, if they're having trouble with a particular system of thought, to consider looking and seeing if there's a way that it's translated, and I call it translated because that's how it feels, more closer to their language. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes after we hear from our sponsors and we'll pick it up then. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Are you fed up with reaching outside yourself for an inner solution? The next diet, the next few pounds to lose, the next drink, the next shopping spree. Tune in to Already Enough with host Kelly Backert. You'll hear tips about how to stop endless searching for an outward solution to an inner condition. Get helpful tools about food, body, self-care, stress management, mental health, and how to live your best life. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Welcome back, everybody. This is the A to Z of sex, and today is T for Tantra, and this is part two, and I'm talking with Gaia Morissette. And before the break, we were talking about the difference between mindfulness and Uh, being present. And Gaia, you had more to say on that. I love when you were talking about the importance of emotions. I feel like often when the word mindful is brought up, there's a denial of, of emotions that somehow they're bad and that they're wrong and that they make us less enlightened by having them. And I just wanted to take a moment to say that I completely disagree with that. For me, I believe that we're supposed to have all the full gamut of emotional experience, but not stay stuck in any one emotion. And I think that's the piece that I love about the practice, the Tantra practice that I do is all about, you know, my Tantra teacher said, you only need to be something for 30 seconds, like fully, totally embrace it, whatever it is. Throw your tantrum on the floor, like do your old, but only do it for 30 seconds and then learn what needed to be learned and process what needed to be processed to then give you space to move on to the next experience, which is that, 
experience of presence that you were talking about, that pre being present in the moment, being present in, in the body, being present. And you were, you know, we, in the break, we were having started a juicy conversation about active versus passive. Absolutely. <laughs> so what I was saying in the break was um, that, you know, I had written an article on mindfulness and, um, and, and then a lot of people during sex and a lot of people started picking up on this and the term was being used a lot after I was using it. And I realized that I really don't like that term because it implies, um, it, because it was originally a term that was developed in order to try and bring meditation to Westerners who didn't like the woo of meditation and therefore, you know, mindfulness. But meditation is a passive practice. And um, I mean, I mean with, a, with a glorious intent, don't get me wrong, but it is a passive practice, whereas the kind of be presence that I'm talking about, and I suspect you're talking about, can actually be quite active. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, my best example of, of this is um, people have been listening the last few weeks, well, may or may not have picked up that I've been dating, which is always interesting. Um, and... Um, I had two phenomenal dates with the same person. And what was so phenomenal about them was um, three solid hours of being present with another person. So no, no picking up uh, technology, no looking at phones, no posting on the internet, no worrying about what was going on outside of our own experience. Now that didn't mean we were unaware of anything around us. Absolutely not. We were actually aware. We were in a restaurant the first time and the food was phenomenal. And so we were very aware of our sensory experience and we were sharing all of that. But it was this incredible presence with each other. Uh -huh. It was a very active presence. So there's that with a completely different intention, of course, than meditation. Oh, absolutely. And that active is that choice, I think. There's that that really, like, I am choosing in this moment to really drop into this moment, whatever that moment is. Absolutely. And, and that's a conscious choice which cr drops us into that, cre into that um, active state versus in that meditative state, it's this observation and allowing it to move through you. And it's actually almost the opposite experience of like, I'm surrendering to the experience versus I'm actively choosing the experience. Well, and that's interesting to me because as somebody who is um, a, um, a slave and I identifies as a slave, surrender has a totally different meaning for me. So I actually look at even when I make a conscious choice, I'm often surrendering to, to an overarching experience. But then I would guess that Again, these are things that have more layers. What I think is so important is for people to get that this, these are experiences of choice. And, you know, I said, if we spent three hours present, that was, that was continual choice to be in the moment, right? Yeah. Whereas you can choose to be in the moment for, for 30 seconds, for a minute, for five minutes, whatever it is. And that that kind of time feels qualitatively different. Mm-hmm than when you're not present. Mm -hmm. And what you get out of your experiences is different when you're not fully present than when you are. Mm -hmm. So presumably when you're working with people, you're trying to help them be able to do this from moment to moment to moment. Yes. And I would say the, the first step, you know, beyond the breath piece that we were talking about is sensory awareness. Mm -hmm. So really engaging your senses in trying to engage all of your senses as often and as frequently as possible. Um, you know, I typically do a little quick little exercise with all of my clients and, and I have them set alarms and these alarms go off and we call them sensory awakening moments. And you pick one of the senses and you really like for like 30 seconds, you just experience those senses and you don't make them right or wrong. You just observe them and enjoy them and, you know, experience and then move on. And what I found is this beautiful thing that allows us to receive more pleasure. 
the more we give ourselves permission. So there's all these layers, right? And yep. as you know this, there's all these layers of whether we sur- – and I'm going to use the word surrender because surrender is my mm. one of my favorite words <laughs> in the work that I do. Um, is that, that allowing and receiving – and believing that we're worthy and whatever trauma that might be there and whatever stuff that might be there that blocks us. So each time we lean into it, that stuff gets brought to the surface, which is this beautiful experience for us to clear it so that we can drop into more pleasure possibilities. And when I say pleasure, I'm not avoiding the unpleasant. And I think that's a really important piece is that it's not just like happy, happy, joy, joy, orgasm, pleasure, that smelt really delicious, that tasted really delicious. It's also acknowledging that, oh, this is an unpleasant smell. Oh, I don't really like the taste of this. It's it's really about all of it, not... Yeah, so not it's just not one or the other. Yeah, right? so it's it's experiencing all of it, and it's it's interesting to me because it's I do I do trauma work with people, um, and I tend to do um, work fairly intensively with people on trauma because I find that um, it makes it easier um, because people get in deeper into it and and come out of it more quickly than when you break it up into one hour segments over a period of time, um, and so. Um, in working with that, often what happens is it is people move from being um, completely detached or dissociated from from their feelings to, to to falling into it, to coming out of it, to falling into it, to coming out of it, to eventually clearing it. Um, and that's the this the process is the same whether you're dealing with um, I stub my toe, right, or um, I was multiply raped. The process is the same. The intensity of the story, the difficulty of moving through it is different, but the process itself doesn't actually change. Um, And that actually being able, that sometimes people who are traumatized actually have a better sensory memory and a better ability to experience those intense negatives than they do any of the positives. Um, And so it's harnessing that skill and moving it over and that's part of the work oh absolutely it's the reframe right the 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 neural pathways already exist is is now how do we reframe them so that they serve us better and are helping us move in the way that we desire to move in the world and it is also for me very interesting that when people become more more willing to experience more sensorially and more fully sensorially, that they find that things don't actually fall nice and neatly into negative, positive, pain, pleasure, that, that there are loads of crossovers, and some of those have to do with context, and some of them don't. Um, and of course, if you're somebody who practices BDSM, as we both are, you, you already know that, because hmm. that's part of that practice is the understanding that things don't fall nicely and neatly into what we were told was pain and pleasure and and good and bad, you know, that lots of lots of things actually are either reversed or somewhat different or can be played with depending on context. I know always people always ask me if you're a masochist, you know, well, like, so you like going to the dentist? Like, no, I, I, I my dentist <laughs> is my friend. I love my friend, but I hate going to the dentist because dental pain is not at all pleasurable. And while it's happening, I cannot reframe it, <laughs> right? And that there are, so there's context with this. There are some things that we can reframe. There are some times that we need a certain ritual in order to reframe. And there are some things we cannot. Um, and so nothing is just one way, which I think is it, people get locked into this very black and white view of the world, very binary view of the world, and find it difficult to, to realize how many colors there are and how much gray there is and how often things shift. Well, and that's why I love what I do in the world. Like, I love my job because n- no day is ever the exact same. <laughs> yeah, it would be hard for it to be the same. Yeah, and it's so beautiful to be able to be a part of everybody's journey. And there, and each time I get to show up and be a part of their experience, it gives me a new possibility and shows some new colors into my world as well. And so, yeah, it's life is filled with possibilities and there it definitely is more than black and white. And, and then, you know, once, when you're talking about, you can clear away 
the stuff that's making you stuck. But then, then we move into the realm of we move into the realm of experiencing more sensorily, and then we move into the realm of choice. And choice is more complicated. So we are a, about three minutes from break. Um, so we'll start this bit. But the, I mean, choice is definitely, I think, probably one of the hardest. Even when you get people to experience, so they can sit in in, in the present, they can feel and they can experience to actually own. And take responsibility becomes the next step. And that is something that is often incredibly difficult for people. Um, oh, yes. Paralyzing, I, I would be willing to say, for some people. Um, yes. And pe- people think of that as, as paralyzing for people who are anxious or who have mental illness. But I'm, I'm not talking about that. That's a different level of paralyzing. I'm talking about everyday folk. If you yes. think about how many conscious choices that you actually make, Conscious, meaning you actually are considering before you make the choice. You're not doing it on autopilot. So during the break, you guys can think about that. We'll hear some words from our sponsors, and we'll come back and we'll talk about what that actually means and how that fits into Tantra and where you get the wherewithal to start making conscious choices in every aspect of your lives, but especially in sex and relationships. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel have you had a chance to check out voice america's online magazine and blog if you love our hosts and shows check out articles that give an even deeper perspective plus topics about health and fitness movie reviews philosophy business tips and tactics spirituality positive thought current events and even more about your favorite hosts it's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com that's blog.voiceamerica.com the voice america press blog all access all the time opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. It is part three, and we are T is for Tantra this week with Gaia Morissette. Before the break, we were beginning to talk about choice. (laughs) Conscious choice. Wow, big subject. Yes. I mean, well, for me, one of the things that is always really two things that are interesting. One is that how often people aren't aware of the choices that they make because they make them automatically or they see other people as always having the power and the control and making the choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, 
and I mean, it's something you can actively play with. And if you're somebody who is in, involved in, in relationships with this, uh, an active power exchange, then you're making active choices. So I make an active choice and I surrender authority to my husband on a daily basis. That's an active choice. And I say on a daily basis because I, I'm not exactly um, the most submissive person in the world, as most people have noticed. Um, so for me, it's an, it has to be an active choice. It's an active choice every day. Um, it's a conscious choice every day. And so there's that. You can play actively with this. But in fact, most people don't do that in their lives on a daily basis and don't realize all the places where they can make a choice. They might be limited by circumstances, but you can still choose between options. If no, You can also choose how you feel. Or how you think about something, even if that's the only part of it you can choose. Mm-hmm. What do you think I, about that? I mean, that's a really... I, I love that. A lot of the work that I do is all about this really dropping into choose choice. You can choose A or B. You know, every, every moment we have a choice. And when you drop into that place, it's on one hand, it's incredibly empowering, but it's also incredibly terrifying because we can't lean into those places of use the word accountability and responsibility Mm -hmm. right all of a sudden it goes from like life is just happening and I and life is just happening to me and I can you know and I'm going to use this word um victim there's like that victim Mm -hmm. mentality um which is not to be confused with you know you don't have a choice and something happens to you. So I just want to clarify that. But the victim mentality around life is happening to me, circumstances are happening to me, and I'm powerless in them, and there's a lot of payoff. There's a lot of payoff from your, you know, the relationships that you have. There's a lot of payoff that you don't have to take ownership and responsibility. And I think that's the what I see often with the people that I work with is that that's the piece that paralyzes them. That in order for them to be able to embrace the conscious choice, it means that they have to release and let go of the powerlessness and the victim space that gives them a lot of payoff in day-to-day society. And so once that happens, that's, that's where I see the shifting that happens with my clients. Once they kind of look at that, play with that for a while and they're like, okay, you know what? I can let go of those attachments there and I'm going to lean into this. It's like, then it becomes like this next level of how they're moving in every area of their lives. And it's an interesting one for me because, um, you know, you, you went real far to clarify, you know, you're not talking about when people are actual victims, but, um, but I actually will extend into that area and talk about, you know, when people have been victimized that the, um, The ways in which we talk about recovery from those sorts of situations sticks people at a place of being a survivor. So, you know, first they're stuck in this victim headspace, then they end up in this place where they're survivors of this, that, and the other. I mean, I could give you a list of the things I've survived, but really, does that matter? It matters to some people. Mm -hmm. They were important events in my life, but I now am in, in a different place in my life. Does that mean I've forgotten about the things I've lived through? No, absolutely not. There's still pivotal experiences that inform my being, my life, my choices. However, I'm present in the moment and then I look to the future. And and I don't even spend too much time looking to the future because then you miss the moment. But I do look to the future and plan. And I'm not, don't see myself as tied up in an identity uh-huh. that relates to that. So I, I mean, I was, I think, in graduate school when I did my research, I did my first presentation called From Victim to Survivor to Beyond. And the idea of being going back out into life and not identifying yourself in that way. But that requires that choice. And that choice comes with responsibility. So if I make a choice and it's not a good choice, It's on me, Uh right? It's not on somebody else. Uh 
And I talk about, I end up talking about this a lot because I talk about consent a lot. And we talk around the different layers of consent. And the layer that I feel often gets missed is this part where I get clobbered for, but this part of responsibility, which is not everything is a consent violation. Sometimes I just made a bad choice. Uh You know, I'm perfectly capable of making a bad choice. And then you, you have to own it and work through the result of it and then move on. But if you, but to me, there's more value in having the, the, the consciousness, the strength, the ability, the power, because it is power, to be able to choose than there is in having life be something that happens to me. Well, even going to that place of, you know, making a bad choice, right? There's, when you consciously are aware that, you know, this choice did not serve me, it did not have the outcome that I was desiring right. to have, <laughs> It allows you to make a new choice the next time the circumstances present itself that are similar to it. And that's where that power comes into, right, is that awareness of that piece versus if this just happened to you, this means that the next time this circumstance happens, it means (laughs) it's just going to happen to you again. Like there's no place in which you can move from a place of I can choose how I want to live my life. There's no place of how I can find empowerment. There's no place of even that sense of safety and security and all these other pieces of life because life is just happening to you. So you have no control over anything. Well, and, you know, the area that I see this most often is when people talk about um, their relationships and their sexual experiences. And so, you know, if it hasn't gone well, if it isn't, if it isn't, you know, if there's, it's unpleasant, it's painful, um, they're not having an orgasm, they're not getting off. There's, there's a lot of places where people don't feel they have agency. And because yeah. they don't feel they have agency, then if somebody else doesn't bring it to them, it's problematic. It's one of the reasons why I'm so big on people learning. I like that you talked about this being a solo path first. I'm so big on people learning um, their own desire, their own arousal, their own pleasure, that way, different ways to pleasure themselves and bringing that to the relationship. And it may change and you learn from partners, don't get me wrong, but, but actually knowing what works for me and what doesn't work for me is particularly important because it's the only way I get to have agency. Otherwise, somebody else is in charge of my pleasure all the time. I mean, okay, somebody else is in charge of my pleasure right now, but that's because I choose that. It, it's a hell of a lot different than having it be, I don't know how to get off and the only person that can help me reach orgasm is somebody else over there. I stayed in a relationship for an extra year because the guy was really good at making me come. And at that time I couldn't have told somebody else how to do it. Yeah. There's a really bad reason to stay in a relationship that's not serving you anywhere else. Oh yeah. And I see that all the time. And I remember one of the things I have to say that I give props to my mom for is I remember when I was little She said to me, if you don't know about your, this is, she's talking to me about masturbation. She's like, if you don't know about your body and what pleases yourself, how are you supposed to share that with anybody else? How are you going to tell them what you like? And I remember, I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) I didn't realize how amazing it was until I grew up and saw how other people's worlds were. But that moment was like, yes, I remember thinking, you're right. How am I supposed to share that with somebody else if I don't know what it is? Absolutely. We're going to give big props to your mom because, like, certainly my mom definitely did not tell me that. Um, I don't ever remember my mother talking to me about masturbation Mm at any time in life ever. (laughs) You know, I mean, it just was not done. So um, there may be some generational differences, but also right now, even now, people aren't talking about this. I, I can't tell you how many people I end up saying that to who never considered that they need to know what works for them. First, they, they've been brought up to believe that they're, if, if it's a good match, it'll work. Yeah, I yeah. That was fascinating. It's like going to happen by magic, right? It's just you're going to get everything right the first time because you're a good match. I'm like, wow, okay. Shit, somebody doesn't even know anatomy to think that. I mean, you know, some people are lucky that way. Um, and 
but the vast majority of people actually need to just work on getting it right. Yeah, so we're and, and figuring out what we like. Yeah, absolutely. And you can do some of that exploration with a partner. Nothing wrong with doing that, but but acknowledging that you know you're it's your body. You gotta you gotta be in it and be present to be able to start talking about what it is that feels good. Yeah, um, absolutely. You can't do that from outside of yourself. No, there's no. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. So we're a couple of minutes from break again, believe it or not. Um, and when we come back, we'll talk further about these issues and talk a bit more about um, exactly how you use Tantra when you're talking about Tantra in terms of sex with a partner. Um, when we come back after a word from our sponsors. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this is part four of T is for Tantra. And I am with Gaia Morissette today. So before the break, um, I said that we would talk about in this last segment, um, Tantra, the use of Tantra with a partner and what kind of practice that um, you advise and why. So once you have this really rocking, hot, amazing, you know, Tantra practice with yourself <laughs> and you know what you like and what, how to move that energy and create that energy and what it's all about, then you can start to bring it into your relationship or relationships depending on what lifestyle you lead. And, you know, the idea is, is that it's about building that from a just pure energetic sexual energy space, it's about building that sexual energy with each other and exchanging that energy with one another. And then you can also co-create that energy and send it out into the ethers and do all sorts of other things with it. And so that's kind of like the, the principle of, you know, utilizing that sexual energy. But in far as like, that's more advanced. You've been, a, you've been practicing for a while to be able to create energy, move it with each other, co-create it, do all sorts of, see God, all sorts of cool stuff with it. But just in the beginning stages, just that piece of connection, communication, being present with each other, being able to breathe together and get in sync with what's going on in each other's bodies, being able to read what's happening in each other's bodies, being able to allow 
pleasure, receiving pleasure and giving pleasure, that, that basic space, and then you can build from there. So what's interesting to me is because I um, typically don't use this language and um, I work with people um, on raising energy um, and energy play and what that's about. And of course, we're starting in the same places because all energy is the same. Yeah. And um, when I talk to people, I talk about the fact that, um, so for me, my spiritual practice, this is where my spiritual practice begins. Um, And I learn to raise energy very young. I was 13. Um, And I raised it in the easiest way I had to raise energy. Once I understood that everything had energy and once I understood that there was a value in raising it and building it up and doing something with it, what was the quickest and easiest way to do it? Masturbation was at that time, but sexually is the quickest way to to do it because it's the easy access way that we have of, of building up really quickly. Hence, starting there instead of starting with breath because it was just much easier, right? Yeah. Um, and, but in any event, that, that what you're doing when you get to that point, you can stop. You don't even need to enter into um, any of the spiritual part, although people tend to have spiritual experiences when they do enough of this, and their spiritual experiences coincide with whatever their, um, often their pre-existing religious or spiritual beliefs, yeah. Um, but that it's that ability to actually have connected sex that makes it so different. And what I found different sometimes with Tantra, because I've rarely met Tantra practitioners who also um, spend a lot of time practicing BDSM, because Tantra tends to be, this is my, my view having looked in, a much more let's be gentle, let's be slow, let's, right? Where you can be really conscious and really rough and really fast, right? There's no, but but for some reason, that's not normally what gets taught. Um, and Which is what I don't teach. I, I teach for, because I move in the world of both Tantra space and BDSM space, that being in a space of enlightened connection, energetic space in that meditative space is the exact same thing as being in subspace. They, 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 they are pretty much the same. And so it's about the vehicle that we achieve it, but the outcome is the same. And I really believe that that's, that comes back to full circle of holistic sexual wellness mm-hmm. is that there is a need not just to be in that soft, gentle, higher consciousness, sexual sexuality is that that's an enlightened space and the raw primal is, is less than it's all of it. See, I would vociferously argue that, that, um, that the raw primal stuff can be just as enlightened. It depends on what pantheon you're involved with. I mean, seriously, you know, like, like some of the, some of the gods are, are don't play. Right, you know, so yeah, I, if you're up, if you're up playing in that space, you're not going to be talking slow and gentle, and you know. Oh, oh <laughs> okay, that was a ding. I want to see if that was a question. That might have been a question. Sorry about the ding. Right. Um. So yeah, no. If you're in that space, you're not going to be, you know. But but. I, there's often a prejudice that goes from, from one group over yes. here to the other group over there, right? Yeah. And so when I use that language, it's there not one isn't better than the other. They're just different ways in which we achieve the outcome that we're looking to well, achieve. And that's the thing. And, and that, that's, you know, that's when I'm talking with people. I'm often saying, look, the idea is to be is to be having sexual experience on more than one level. So you want all of your senses involved. You want, you know, your, all of your energy present. You want intuition. You want intelligence. You want everything there so that you are really connected to whoever it is you're playing with. And, and, and it, it, we're not talking about um, um, genital sex necessarily. I mean, we're talking about anything that one could consider sexual. And then um, that, 
it's a huge range of activities, by the way, huge, if you have it, right? Um, but, but doing that in that very much that embodied energetic space. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it really is about understanding. I mean, for me anyways, the whole, the whole experience of Tantra is embracing the sacred sexual practices. And those yep. sacred sexual practices come in different shapes, forms, cultures, practices. And there's, there's sex magic, there's Tantra, there's Taoism, there's all sorts of them. And it's really about dropping into the energy of that creation life force energy, whatever that shows up for you and however that shows up. And at the end of the day, that's to me what that sacred practice is all about. And so we are actually coming close to close, but I want to highlight for people that this doesn't take any special talent. Anybody can learn to do this, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, there are books, but it, in my experience, this kind of stuff is better learned with a teacher. There are teachers of all disciplines out there. Um, So Anybody can learn to do this. If you want to find Gaia, you can go to succulentliving.com or empressgaia.com and find all the stuff that she does on both her websites. And I thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was delicious. It was a delicious conversation. My pleasure. I agree. And I want to know, guys, are you prepared for 2020? Have you set your relationship sex and pleasure goals yet? Join me for a special New Year's Eve journey where we'll explore New Year's journey. Sorry, not New Year's Eve. God, no. Uh, Where we will explore desire and create the vision for 2020, set our goals, and put plans into action. If you're in the UK, the in-person day for up to 10 people is on the 18th of January. There's a three-session online group that's going to start on the 20th of January. If you want more information, schedule a breakthrough session with me at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Three zero minutes, doctor with a capital D, D R L O R I, that's with a capital L, and B E T H with a capital B. So 30 minutes, Dr. Lori Beth. Thank you for listening today. If you've got questions, you can email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. That's D R L O R I B E T H B I S B E Y dot com. If you've got an idea for the show, please, please, please send it in as well. And if you have somebody you think we should be talking to, or you think you're a person that I should be talking to, do email me and propose a topic. I look forward to seeing you all in the new year. I hope that your celebrations are full of love, desire, energy, and that you have a wonderful, healthy, abundant 2020 filled with joy, sex, desire, love, and all of the things that you want. I'll see you guys next week. We hope you learned something today. But if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to Lori Beth at drlaurybethbisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of the A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Voice America Health and Wellness. See you next week.